substack.com. Please go to the website and hit subscribe uh, for a goal of 500 subscriptions. So far, so good. So that's Liberty in Many Directions, SheilaMDean.substack.com. So what do you get? What's in it for you? You get podcast content aired specifically on Colin.com from That AI Show, a Saturday show on AI subject matter with conversation, and the Unsanctioned Citizen podcast archives, as well as specific writings from yours truly. So go ahead, uh, get on board and promote. If you like the stuff that you're hearing and perceiving and reading, go ahead and try to get at least three to five friends or a hundred friends if you want to uh, buy in and subscribe. This is the month to do it. Time is ticking. Let's go. Out of Austin, Texas, you're listening to the Unsanctioned Citizen Podcast. Here's your host, Sheila Dean. Hi. All right. It is 6.30 p.m. We're we're airing a a mite early. Um, Just wanted to mute that just a second. Glad to see everybody here in the room. Um, So this is day 99 of 100 Days of Programming. Uh, We are... Here in the room to talk about the pandemic yet again. It just hasn't really necessarily gone away. Um, there's, I don't even know what the current subvariant's name is, but I'll tell you what's going on in the world. So, more generally, the POTUS has the Rona. Select committee members of the House and Senate have the Rona. Okay, and then there's, you know, riot cliches. I talked about before in the past where we're going to aim our angst at this body of government that didn't do what we wanted, so we're going to try to take them down, and, you know, it's not we meaning me, I mean, like, there, there is a group of people who have decided to aim their angst in a public way uh, with some violence at the SCOTUS, which is super dangerous, which I have talked about a little bit in the past, but it's still that's still going on, there's still going on. And then there's the January 6th, you know pokey trials, uh, you know, that have taken some hostages. I'm not even sure if those people's civil liberties are really being looked after. I'm not sure that they're they're getting counsel, which is supposed to be happening in a civilized Western nation. They're supposed to be appointed a criminal defense attorney, and then they're supposed to have a a legitimate hearing to to toward pretrial pretrial detention, um, and I don't think that that's what's happening. Um, so what does that have to do with you? Essentially nothing. So I'm not sure that any of us are really getting anything out of this, out of the what's going on, current events kind of thing. So I wanted to check in, see how the pandemic's really going for you. I can I can add a few unnoticed headlines that I thought were interesting and worth sharing. Uh, <coughs> so excuse me for forgive all that. So the, the one of big note is that the NIH has, uh, has tried sealing the name of a Chinese researcher attached to a discredited pandemic origin study. And this happened a couple days ago, but I heard nothing. I mean, absolute nothing, zero. And so they scrambled 
and scrambled and scrambled to try to hide this Chinese researcher's name because he was accidentally unmasked. So this other headline reads, NIH accidentally unmasked official who hid Chinese submitted coronavirus data in March of 2020. It's an awfully long time ago, uh, but the, it just came out. So here's what the news says. It says, and this is uh, just the news source, agency asked court to seal records related to a FOIA lawsuit. It's a Freedom of Information Act lawsuit that name NIH curator who approved the removal request and Chinese researcher who submitted it. Whistleblower support activist says names were publicly available to researchers and not classified information. So they obscured this for some weird reason. So the National Institute of Health deleted two sequencing runs of pangolin coronavirus from its National Library of Medicine at Chinese researchers' request on the eve of the U.S. COVID-19 lockdowns, months before a previously known removal requested by a different Chinese researcher, according to newly disclosed records. Now, the agency is trying to convince a federal court to seal portions of those records and a litigant's filing that name, the earlier Chinese researcher, and his NIH handler, claiming it had inadvertently failed to redact them in, a, in responding to a Freedom of Information Act lawsuit. A lawsuit. It has to go pretty far for it to get to. I'm going to sue you to get this information for you. Usually FOIA is just like you fill out a paper, you wait to hear back, the government says I have records for you, it's not classified. If they're not sharing and they're supposed to, you go get a lawyer and then you sue the government entity that's supposed to have publicly available information for the information and that is what they call a FOIA lawsuit. So we're already at FOIA lawsuit. The government is trying to put the toothpaste back in the tube, said Empower Oversight Jason Foster, whose whistleblowing support group filed the lawsuit last fall. The former Senate Judiciary Committee investigator told the John Solomon Reports podcast, the feds are suddenly moving heaven and earth when it comes to the privacy of researcher associated with the Chinese government and information that could shed light on the origins of the pandemic. So this is a huge contrast to what we see them doing with U.S. government whistleblowers, including a case he's working on, Foster said. The first emails obtained by Empower in the lawsuit showed an NIH staffer agreeing to remove a genetic sequence from public view in June 2020 upon the request of Wuhan University researcher and asking for clarification on whether to remove another sequence. Both names were redacted. So I have two sources in the links section. Let me go ahead. I don't know if they were posted. If they weren't, if my links did not get posted, I will post them in the comment section following this broadcast. I did put them in there. I don't know why they are not showing, but they were in there. Um, so let's go to this other source. NIH tries sealing the names of the Chinese researcher. Heavily redacts records in a haphazard fashion before making them public. So, this source is the Disinformation Chronicle off of Substack. Okay, so remember the name, of, and here we disclose the name. It's Kang Pen Xiao, 
because the National Institutes of Health really, really want you to forget him. Kang Pen Xiao. In fact, I, I might even change the headline of this, this newscast, if it is a newscast, to Kang Pen Xiao so that nobody forgets. Uh, last week, the NIH filed a motion in Virginia court to seal portions of documents that reference the Chinese researcher and an NIH official in a lawsuit filed against the agency for redacting and covering up records that might explain how the pandemic began. Mm. So the individuals have a substantial privacy interest in avoiding harassment or media scrutiny that would likely follow disclosure, wrote a lawyer for the NIH to the judge. Sealing is therefore necessary to protect this information from any further public dissemination. Just because they will shall be shamed? Oh, what if there's malfeasance? Don't you think you deserve to know? Hmm. So what is actually being protected? The American public's right to access public information that may reveal what kicked off the pandemic? Or purported privacy rights of a scientist who lives thousands of miles away in China? This legal ploy further highlights the NIH's aggressive, haphazard approach to, to redacting documents and hiding information that might explain how the pandemic started. Okay, so here's what's going on. In China, anything that's touching Chinese hardware, Chinese-built hardware, um, something that, that's on a Chinese platform like a WeChat or any... Oh, there, there they are. There's my links. Okay, they, they suddenly just magically popped up. It was a little delayed, but they are there now. Um, China is requiring the United States to disclose anything that's on their platforms, on their uh, hardware, anything using their stuff. Like if it's, if it's proprietary to Chinese uh, mainland uh, IP, okay? So anything floating in those systems has to be conveyed um, through treaty agreement or some sort of agreement that they have with China. And China passed a really strident law that all information flowing through anything that, that, is, that comes from there belongs to them. Now, whether or not I believe that, I don't believe the information flowing, say, through this Lenovo computer over here belongs in China. It's it's American information and it should stay here in America being American information. But they don't feel that way. So they passed a law so that they can try to enforce it on the United States to to get that information, require it as a condition of continued trade. Okay, that was passed in the fall of last year. Super aggressive or it was definitely last year in 2021, and um, maybe it was coming down the pipeline in February when I actually kind of started to lose it a little bit. I'm like, we can't have this. Uh, oh yeah, it was it was February. I wasn't. I was having a real bad day that day. So, um, anyways, so in 2021, they were headed in this direction, and now we're here, but. The privacy rights of scientists in China have never really been a thing. That's never really been a thing. I mean, nobody's ever said, you know, you, you shall not know who the scientists that are working on our grants are. That's weird because they have to, to get our funding in order to work on NIH studies. So all of their 
their information is involved in the studies. So they're listed as, as contributing scientists in order to get the funding to do these things. That's, that's how scientific academic research happens. So when, when you do these genetic sequencing or pertaining to pandemic research, la 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 la, the names are there and it wasn't classified information at first, but now because it's humiliating and it points to possibly making someone else's face look bad once again, possibly Anthony Fauci, um, that, you know, we're, we're just going to try to cover that up. It's not, it's not the crime, it's the cover-up. It's not the crime, it's the cover-up. So uh, would anybody like to talk about this? You know, just, just a cover-up of this information. Because it does have something to do, this Kang Pen Chiao has something to do with whether or not the, the origins of the pandemic matter, apparently. Going once, going twice, nobody wants to talk about what's going on in that closet. Okay. All right, I'm going to move to the next item. Okay, we have Doug Mastriano. His campaign is blaming default Facebook settings for deleting videos and ignoring other questions about how he handled pandemic governance. So, in Philadelphia, Doug Mastriano, the Republican nominee for a Pennsylvania governor, is sounding the fake news alarm over a Monday article about his disappearing Facebook videos, claiming that they were removed due to a default Facebook setting that automatically deleted the video after 30 days. His campaign did not address why the most recent video cited the story, one that was recorded in late June, had already disappeared within about a week of posting, or why many videos that are older than 30 days have not been deleted. So Jenna Ellis, Mastriano's legal advisor and former attorney for Donald Trump, who was involved in his attempts to overturn the 2020 election, on Monday tweeted a statement attributed to an unnamed spokesman for the Mastriano campaign. The biased mainstream media is trying to manufacture a scandal, but they haven't done their homework, the statement said. So the Mastriano campaign did not respond to the Philadelphia Inquirer's request for comment prior to the publication of Monday's story, nor did the campaign respond to the New York Times when it later asked similar questions about why some videos remained and others vanished. Again, it's a cover-up. And it's, it's just because it makes him look bad. So it just, it just makes him look bad. So he's ignoring questions about uh, tweets promoting QAnon and other problematic content. And let me see here. It says, global warming is based on pop science. You know, theorizes that Republicans who don't support it support him secretly disdain veterans reiterates his position that life starts at conception why are any of these shaming these are like you know core you know conservative you know husker do kind of positions for republicans have just been around forever why is where where's it where's the shame tunnel coming from where where is the shame spiral for this this trump republican coming from doesn't seem like it should be there 
So Doug Mastriano spends every day trafficking conspiracy theories and reminding voters his top priority is banning abortions with no exceptions. Oh. Manuel Bonder, campaign spokesman for Mr. Shapiro, told the New York Times. So I guess Shapiro is the Democratic nominee for governor. Okay, so that's his opponent. So this is this article actually favors Shapiro, but it does make uh, Doug look bad. Um, or worse than he should. Because he, he seems like, it seems like he is ashamed of these positions that, that Republicans typically hold in many, many states. So it doesn't make any sense. Okay, and in Hong Kong, in case you were caring about Hong Kong, what might be happening there, um, Hong Kong has adopted COVID tracking systems that include a quarantine bracelet, fashionable for tracking with a QR code attached, newest in Hong Kong fashion. Everybody's going to get one. So that came out on July 18th. So just so you wanted to know if you want to keep up with the trends over there. And then finally, that's how they're tracking them there, how they're tracking us here using social media, is that we've got these uh, VentureBeat, Connecto, uh, circumventing tactics. Now they're, they're tracking our customer journey instead of our data. So this is what they're doing. It would be an understatement to say that consumer attitudes and behaviors have been forever transformed by COVID-19. A staggering 67% of people say their online spending has increased since the start of the pandemic. There were also 900 million more online consumers in 2021 than there were in 2020, representing a nearly 4.5% year over year rise. But as marketers look towards the post-pandemic future, one question that remains is how can brands keep up with their ever-changing nature of the customer journey? So this is piecing together data that bypasses the regulatory and the current regulatory environment so that it networks the travel points in a series of external data. So this is achieved by reverse engineering the consumer journey that ended up converting with a brand. Okay, so if you convert to a brand, they go back and look at how that happened. So we essentially go from the moment of the transaction backward all the way to the early funnel to the first interaction that consumers have with the brand. By equipping businesses with critical behavioral data, and offering highly targeted recommendations to boost online sales and optimize marketing. So they're they're trying to they're trying to cope with the new environment that's coming down. Eventually what it looks like is the ADPPA, which is the emerging national privacy law, is going to add more regulatory environment that makes it the surveillance based ad market is going to, to get some shrink. They're gonna have loss. In that area so this is the the great golden age the pandemic is the great golden age again what does that have to do with you what are you getting out of it probably not a lot maybe Charlie gets something out of it but not anybody else unless you're a tech investor it's really not about you it's not for you so you're the product everyone in here including myself is the product if you didn't pay for it you're the product so 
but we do have 80 PPA on the verge, and I just wanted to report. I sent a strongly worded, worded letter to my senator today because Senator Maria Cantwell is up to her old tricks. <laughs> and she says she shall obstruct the ADPPA from passing through the Senate if there isn't a stronger law enforcement environment. And I'm like, wow, that sounds like a great deal. Sounds like sounds like she, she really wants enforcement to happen. But I don't think she does because I lived in Washington State for a while and I complained about the very same thing. And I urged legislators to, to get their, their law enforcement regime together. Nobody was interested. Nobody wanted to uh, come up with this, anything specific. So privacy bills just died. They just died. This is the way they died in Washington State. You mentioned enforcement, and then all will to power to do anything just dried up and went away. And I don't think that's going to happen this time. Because there are so many other states that aren't you know, the bedrock of Microsoft and Facebook and Google and, you know, they don't run things around there. They don't have, all the taxes don't come from those companies in those states. So I think, oh no, this guy. You're going to have to wait, Andrew. But anyways, the, the amount of money that's coming in from, from Seattle and Western Washington is making making the, the false determination. She's, she's kind of doing the straw man. She's holding it up. She's saying, Hey, there's no enforcement, and unless there's strong enforcement, we're going to stop the bill. Okay. Well, I asked my senators to look at her enforcement plan, and I'll bet you money. If I'm wrong, I'll, I'll pay money, but I'll bet you money today while I'm sitting here that she doesn't have one because no one in Washington state want, wants enforcement of privacy law, period, because they've been making hand over fist, from data brokerages and taxing all that data up and down. So that will stop if the privacy law is passed. And I also urge them to proceed with a brokering bill that would, you know, push the SEC to, to stop the price fixing regime uh, attributed to your data. It's your data. I don't know what you're getting out of it, but. I guess we're going to have to start taking a call. Okay, Andrew, heckler in chief. What did I do to deserve this guy? <clears throat> How can I uh, help you? Did you want to speak to any of the content that's uh, been floated here this evening? I, I like the content. You're calling January 6th show trials what they are. I like that. Uh, people have coronavirus, whatever. Yeah, I like I like the title. I mean, uh, the description anyway. January 6th show trials. Very good. Very good stuff. Well, they've taken some hostages. Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. It's uh, what are you it's getting like time out here? Elaborate. Elaborate on what? That the uh, the government is just absolutely unconcerned with law and does whatever they want? Yeah, I can see that. Say more. Punishing people for being Republican. That's the order of the day. Hmm. 
Is it just being Republican or is it being a Trump Republican specifically? Sure, that's a good way of putting it. Okay, somebody is it that H- is legit, somebody that's authentic, that will stand for the country. People that don't like Mitt Romney or John McCain, or the people that would sell us out. Okay, so I'm gonna also make a subset of this of this little. Okay, so there's categorization. It's it's Republican, Trump Republican was present at the Capitol at January 6th. Sure. Okay. So those are the ones that they that are in the clink right now. They're in the clink. And maybe they did something, maybe they didn't do something, but they shouldn't be denied a lawyer, man. And they should be able to to procure a hearing to get themselves out of jail and on bail like other people. That's what I think. And that is the rule of law in America. So yep. I, I went to bat for people who were stuck in Guantanamo Bay that didn't get a hearing, okay? Because I don't believe that we should be that kind of a country. But the, it just so happens that there are a lot of people who are still sitting around like furniture in Congress, okay, who were all right with this. And they're still there. They were okay with this. They're like, oh, we don't care what happens to those people in Guantanamo and uh, but they're human beings, and really bad things happened to them. But they didn't prove any case. They didn't get a trial. They didn't get a criminal hearing. You know, over time, some did, and and things did improve. And there's there's a, I guess maybe I don't know anywhere between twelve and eighty people there. I'm I haven't checked on the 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 statistics of Getmo. But Gitmo is a, an excessively abusive situation where I never want the level of human rights violation to happen and use my tax dollars. I don't want that. Similar, I don't want this to be happening. I don't want American citizens to be detained indefinitely with no trial or with no representation and obstructed from their Sixth Amendment rights. I don't like that. So I, I might, I mean, I have said something. Have you said anything to your, you know, representative or legislator body? Eh, yeah, what's the point? These people don't care. You can flood their office. They just don't care. Mm. I don't know if that's true. You're supposed to kind of try to make them care. Yeah, I did by voting against him today. Oh, you voted. Is that is that what yep. happened today? You you voted today? Absolutely. Okay, where, where which state? Which state Arizona. was this election? Arizona. Okay, who did you vote for? Barnett. Barnett to take out Schweiker. Okay, and, and what office is that? He'd be uh in the House of Representatives. Okay, so this is for the House. Do you know what the score is? No, the the actual election day is August second. Today is uh, early voting, not okay, mail-in so voting, but you know the, the two weeks voting. where you don't have to wait in line all day. Okay, well, I mean that's civic duty, man. I mean that's due diligence. <laughs> oh, I also wanted to say uh, uh, just quickly, Andrew was on a call, which was really tough to sit through, where actually a, a good guy, uh, Anthony O'Mean. You know, really held it down. He was a super pro guy. 
he was getting trolled hard by Andrew. And he held it down, man. And I have nothing but respect for Anthony, Anthony Omin, who, who actually gave me the information that I traded with you last night. And that information was that uh, the Chinese don't uh, want to do a vaccination mandate because it's a corporate thing. It's a corporate mandate and a fascist mandate. So that was the information I got from him. And it was definitely worth sitting through (laughs) to get there. Uh, Because I had to ask that guy a softball question after you were done chewing on him. It wasn't nice. Andrew, you got to be nice when you come on these programs. Eh, I don't know. The the Greenwald left. You know, I appreciate that, for example, he was at the uh, premiere of Alex's War. And I knew he was going to be there. I know that generally he's on our side. In America, anyway. But then in, in uh, Brazil, he behaves like the worst of the left over here. So, And that's exactly what they were talking about. He's married to the left over there. You need to know that. Yeah, I'm aware. So it's okay. like, all right, these guys are talking about Brazil, where Greenwald is as bad as it gets over there. You know, So if they were talking about America, I probably would have been placid. But they're talking about Brazil, and they're discussing the election, and they didn't mention the crime rate one time. Not one time. And it's just it, baffling to me. And when I brought it up, they're like, well, we, we're talking about more relevant things. Oh, like the soybean exports and whether they're going to have uh, more Well, I mean, Glenn food. wasn't, to, to, to be, to keep it real, Glenn wasn't there to, to kind of defend his own honor. But you never attack Glenn. Um, you just attack the whole line of reasoning behind what they were doing and what they were bringing up for the day. Yeah, and, and his only defense is, well, we've talked about this at one point in time. Okay, that doesn't mean your show now is good. So I'm I'm uh, critiquing what's in front of me. And I find you know, the... Just, uh, I just want to break in really quick and tell people, uh, it just so happens that Glenn was blacklisted by Zelensky in Ukraine for, for raising the idea that we should further debate the amount of money we send to Ukraine because it's necessary to have that debate about how we spend American money. And I agree with Glenn wholly on that point, that the debate in itself about whether or not we send Ukraine money, and this is a just justified war, that it, it, it reflects American interests is something I would rather have today than when they already spent the money. I'd rather have that debate now. And I'll tell you why. The reason why is because I seriously believe that we have a kleptocrat in office. Um, the whole Burisma thing uh, connected to Hunter, Hunter Biden, his family. Uh, Hunter Biden's uncle, and then Biden himself. So it looks like he's directly interested in oil, oil reserves, oil competition with Russia in the region, and Russia is striking out at Ukraine because they, they want Ukrainian land, they want Ukrainian oil reserves, whatever they want. But they want Ukraine for a variety of reasons. Some of those reasons never even came up. What's Russia's angle. Like, I still don't even know. The propaganda press has been like 100% favorable to Zelensky, who's been an autocrat, 
crazy man. He's completely suppressed the opposition party, which is not democratic whatsoever, and he's silenced the press. So, I mean, why should we support his... Why should we support Ukraine after that? Um, Andrew, go ahead. Any ideas? No, you stumped me. I wouldn't give them a dime. Okay. All right. That sounds reasonable. Does anybody else want to cut up here and talk? Okay. I'm happy to go on a diatribe, however. I am checking myself out of the grocery line. I don't think you want to hear that. So you give me three minutes. I'll give you something good. Well, I don't know. Just just keep it keep it on the level. You know, I don't I don't know. This is this is a delicate program. <laughs> I was nice to those guys. I wasn't mean at all. And I will say it. Oh my god. Gave me I would never I would never want to be treated the way that you treated those guys. Oh, it was so mean. Don't be mean. <laughs> I was just honest. Maybe brutally honest, but just honest. I, I wasn't, you know. You were nasty. trolling, man. You were trolling. Yeah. They were they were gas bagging it up. They deserved it, and they wouldn't mute their microphones. Like I'm telling you, like when I'm why would they mute their microphones on their own show, Andrew? No, no, the guy that's not talking. So if you got two guys, one guy's talking, the other guy's eating a bowl of cereal or something. Mute your mic if you're not talking and you're eating a bowl of cereal. Well, it's their show. I'm kind of libertarian that way. Like if he wants to, you know, if he wants to be a hippie in his own house, that's fine. On Colin, he can do that. <laughs> I like these calling apps. I, I don't like. <laughs> I, I like the calling apps, but I'm banned from Clubhouse. I, I'm totally banned off there. Banned my devices. So I like using this when I'm going around doing stuff. And uh, well, don't burn it out, that. man. Don't burn your bridges too too much. You know, there's there's always Discord. You know, if you get well, get too crazy. Yeah, but when when I when I'm roaming around, I like uh, Clubhouse. I can't use Clubhouse, so I'm using the uh, what do we got here? Calling. There's only four shows available, and uh, I have no other options. I don't have to tell you. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I appreciate you coming by and being being somewhat of a gentleman. Uh, it, it's a new caller. Typically, we'll take uh, Joe or Joshua. Joshua's been bizarrely silent these days. Josh, you want to get up here and talk? I think he's tired of talking to me. But um, you know what? I, I think it's been... Let's track this. I think it's been half an hour. Oh my gosh, we did it! 99 days of Colin. I fully produced, like, unsanctioned citizen podcast program. Yeah! So, what's next is we will return to our Unsanctioned Your Mind reading series. We're going to read some more from the authoritarian moment, How the Left Weaponized America's Institutions Against Dissent. And that is Ben Shapiro. Um, come back tomorrow uh, at this time the schedule's going to be changing there's going to be some flux I'm starting a new gig so um, so I'm going to push it probably up into the 7 or 8 o'clock hour I just can't figure it out just yet but I will let everyone know but the, the 100 days will continue relentlessly so I very much appreciate everyone who's attended and listened on this podcast and uh, join us tomorrow when we return to reading the musings of Mr. Ben Shapiro. All right. With that, I'm going to wrap it up. Ben Shapiro. He's the worst. Ben Shapiro. That's, that's Mr. Ben Shapiro. 
We'll, oh, we'll see you tomorrow. Adios. Thanks for listening. Before you